Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address, exonatalkstarradio.com, on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. My guest this hour is Bishop James Long. He studied for the Roman Catholic priesthood for more than six years. During his years in the seminary, Bishop Long received solid academic and spiritual formation. Through, the, through prayer and spiritual advisement, Bishop Long accepted God's call to become an independent Catholic priest. He was ordained a deacon, priest, and was consecrated a bishop with the old Catholic Church. Bishop Long has always known that he had a calling to serve in the priesthood. He can remember a burning desire to become a priest when he was just five years old, and that desire has never left him. Now, by the age of nine, Bishop Long was also called to study demonology and began absorbing anything he could get his hands on pertaining to demonology. While attending the seminary, the bishop was able to study the subject in more depth and was mentored by a properly ordained and experienced exorcist. Bishop Long is the author of the book called Through the Eyes of an Exorcist. He's also the founder of the Paranormal Clergy Institute, the Institute was specifically created for paranormal groups to help find when dealing with demonic entities. The bishop has performed over 23 documented exorcisms, and his desire to teach people about demonology continues as his ministry grows. Currently, the bishop serves as the presiding archbishop for the United States Old Catholic Church, where he teaches demonology classes and hosts a weekly radio show on Para-X radio network called The Sacred Division. Bishop Long, welcome to the X-Zone. How are you, Bishop? I'm fantastic. Thank you for the introduction. I appreciate that. It's great having you with us tonight. Um, When you received your calling into the priesthood, did you ever imagine at that young age of five years old that you would be facing evil on such a one-to-one basis? Uh, No, actually, you know, when uh, I, I was... 
I absolutely knew that even at age five. I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to be a priest. Uh-huh. I, I remember being in kindergarten, and we were in school, and uh, it was a Catholic school. And we were at church, and, um, and I went home, and the, my mom asked me what we did for school, and I, I told her, and you know, that, that we were talking about career day, and she said, well, what did you tell the, the, the teacher? And I said, I pointed at the priest, and I said, I want to do what he does. So even at a very early age, I knew that I wanted to be a priest. Now, I didn't understand that mm-hmm. at that time. I just knew that that's, that's really what I wanted to do. Bishop, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. And Exonation, if you'd like to give us a call and ask the bishop questions pertaining to exorcism, please. Lines are open at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Still to come on tonight's show, J. Allen Danilik will be joining me in hour number three. We're going to be talking about UFOs and aliens. And in the final hour of tonight's show, Sue Storm, the angel lady, will be doing angel readings for everyone here in the Exo Nation while she's on for the final hour of tonight's show. Once again, our toll-free number is... One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Bishop Long is our special guest. His website is www.paranormalclergy.com. That's www.paranormalclergy.com. And I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the bishop as the Exxon continues live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. 
My dialogue with divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Bishop Long is our special guest uh, this hour, Exo Nation. And Bishop, can you tell us the difference between the old Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church? Oh, sure. Yeah, the, 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 the old Catholic Church branched from the Roman Catholic Church um, officially in the 1890s, but the process began in the 1870s over papal infallibility. So there, there was just a belief that, um, that cardinals and even bishops at the time in the Roman Catholic Church didn't see the Pope as infallible. And so there was a split amongst other issues as well. Now, the old Catholic Church is different in that each jurisdiction is, is independent. So uh, each bishop has their own uh, jurisdiction. And you have some extreme conservative old Catholics, and you have extreme liberal old Catholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with the United States Old Catholic Church, we're different in that um, our ministry is primarily um, funded by priests who have secular positions. And we allow priests to get married. Uh, our priests can, um, uh, of course, they have secular positions as well. Uh, they can be partnered. We, we're just a very inclusive church community. We ordain women as well. Can you uh, t- explain a little bit more about your calling to the priesthood as well as your calling to the demonology field? Well, according to the priesthood, as you know, uh, as stated, started when I was five. Uh, I, I, there was no question in my mind I wanted to be a priest. I mean, there, there's, when I grew up, I had no interest in any other field besides the priesthood. So I knew at, at a very early age that that's what I wanted to do, and, and that desire has never fizzled. It, it, it's the only thing it's increased. Now, as far as the demonology field, um, I, I, it wasn't enough for me. Even at, I remember at age eight, it wasn't enough to have that calling for the priesthood. I also felt that I needed to know the opposite, and I felt like there was a calling, and I think this is very important. When I talk about demonology, demonology is a calling. It is a ministry. It's something that one does because they're called to that ministry, and I feel that, uh, that I was called to serve as a demonologist, and then, of course, as my role as an exorcist with the United States Old Catholic Church. What was it like the first time you faced a demon? 
you know, it was, I, I, it was frightening, and I, I think probably the worst, the worst case situation was was a diabolical possession. Um, you, you truly, see, the best way to describe it is uh, every fear, every anxiety, um, every feeling of loneliness, depression, um, almost can just sometimes can overwhelm you. Uh, that's a state of oppression, and it, it's, it's quite powerful. And so you always have to respect uh, the dangers that come with, with possession, and that's why I always teach people about demonology because so many people want to be demonologists and exorcists, and I just inform them that you, you have to respect the dangers um, that, that, that come with this the territory. What would some of the dangers be, sir? Possession. Um, but, but even a possession of the exorcist or, or those people who are actually praying with the exorcist assisting. But even more so than that um, is the death of the person who is possessed. The ultimate goal for any person who is possessed, or the, the demonic wants to destroy the intellect and the will. And it continues to destroy the intellect and the will of not only the person possessed, but also of all family members surrounding that, the loved one. So it isolates that person to the point where the person is hearing voices, the person know, is clearly seeing things, uh, and it, destroy, it, it attacks them on a psychological, sexual, spiritual, um, uh, in, in many different physical uh, ways. And to the point where it, it destroys the intellect and will. That's, of course, when you have possession. And the ultimate goal is for the person to commit suicide. Now, uh, from a theological point of view, I don't believe that people who commit suicide go to hell. I, I firmly reject that doctrine, only because the person who commits suicide is not in the right state of mind. And I don't think an all-loving God would condemn one of his children to hell because they, they acted out uh, in a way in which they weren't in capacity, you know, full capacity. And that's really important for me to tell people that because I've had people come to me and cry and tell me they, just, they, they wish they had some minister tell them that they believe that their loved one is in heaven even if they committed suicide. And I, and I firmly believe that they, that they are. When you're dealing with a, uh, an exorcism, is it like we see on TV where there's this cold uh, air that that there's a stench in the air, and uh, that uh, there is levitation, as well as a strange, uh, uh, you know, disfiguration of the person who is possessed. Figure, yes, the things that you mentioned, absolutely. Now, levitation doesn't always occur. When you mention foul odors, that is a state of oppression. And there are three stages of possession, infestation, oppression, possession. Within those stages, you also have elements. You have levels of infestation, levels of oppression, and levels of possession. And so um, the, the foul, foul stench you're talking about is an odor that is so repulsive that it, it just, again, it, it continues to destroy the intellect and will. Um, yes, the, the the disfiguration of the person, of the body, does occur. Mm -hmm. uh, the speaking in dead languages does occur. Not only that, but the demonic will actually know whatever sins that you've committed. And so that's why it's very important, very important that an exorcist and all those people surrounding or assisting the exorcist must go through confession. Because if not, then your deepest, darkest secret, the, the thing that you want no one to know, uh, the demonic will actually let people know. Uh, only for for the reason of, of stopping the exorcism. So th those things can occur along um, with uh, with other acts uh, acts as well. How would one become possessed? 
For many reasons, one could be dabbling in black magic, black art. I think it's important for that people know, from my personal philosophical, theological explanation, I have great friends who are witches. I have great friends who are pagans who are atheists, and I love them dearly. And um, people who practice black magic, black art, curses, santeria, uh, those uh, folks are absolutely opening the door to possibly having attachments and therefore infestation, oppression, of course, and possession. So there are ways of, if you're practicing black art, black magic, doing curses, uh, Ouija boards, uh, again, I, I tell people stay away from the Ouija boards only because not the Ouija board in of itself is nothing magical, but the problem is there's no filter. You can't filter out the good from the evil. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you could be communicating with someone you think is a deceased loved one when in fact you're creating you're speaking to a demonic. So by opening yourself up, you can in fact receive attachments and possession. Where do these demons reside, uh, Bishop? They reside actually in the present, a, a different level, it's a different realm of existence than what we know. It's a spiritual realm. And I think that's what people need to understand. When a demonic attaches themselves to you, people always think of a physical battle. And it's really not. The consequences of that possession is physical. In other words, um, and I, I can't go into great detail because uh, obviously there are some things that, that shouldn't be discussed, but when a demonic attacks you on a physical level, the scars, etc., there are, you, you clearly, there's a difference between self-inflicted scars and one that actually has been committed by a demonic versus, or even an incubus and succubus. An incubus and succubus, when they attack their victim, they're manipulating the body. They're manipulating the muscles. So they, they exist, obviously, in a different level, a different reality in which we do. Um, when we pass away, I believe, we will then be on that same level or that same playing field, if you want, if you want to call that. But um, they certainly reside around us. They're fully aware that we are present. Um, many people are not fully aware that they are. How long does the normal exorcism, uh, an average exorcism, take? You know, that's a great question, and honestly, um, you, you, it could be hours, it could be days, it could be months. Uh, it really just depends on the particular case. And when you're dealing with a diabolical possession, that's different than a demonic. When you have a demonic possession, you're usually talking about one demonic entity that has attached themselves to that person, and possession then occurs. When you're dealing with diabolical, you're dealing with multiple. When you have multiple possession, that's when obviously we're getting to the extreme level of exorcism, the solemn ritual. The solemn ritual is performed even on a demonic or diabolical. When you're dealing with a diabolical, the main concern is for the person not, um, not obviously hurting themselves. And that's very, very important because that's usually uh, one of the first very serious issues is the person will attack themselves. Or, or actually the demonic is, is controlling their body. It's important to note that when a person is possessed, the number one reason for, for death is malnutrition dehydration. And because the demonic will not allow the person to consume any food, any water. And if you do, even a little drop would, would cause them to become violently ill. So you have to be, you have to be careful about uh, how you approach that. How do you prepare yourself for an exorcism if they can be so strenuous and so long and so, so physically and mentally, mentally challenging? That's a great question. And, of course, there's fasting. There's prayer. Mm -hmm. There's spending time in what, what, what Catholics call Eucharistic adoration, spending time with the Eucharist, um, and just remembering to, to, to 
It's very important. One of the most important things, I think, as an exorcist, is it's very important to remember to, to check the ego. When I was working in, in an incubus case, uh, that's a demonic entity that attacks its, its, um, it, it, the person on a, on, a, on a sexual level. I got very furious because I worked with this woman, and she was a 68-year-old woman. She, 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 she reminded me of her grandmother. She was the sweetest woman I've ever met in my life, and it kept attacking her. And it points to the when I got involved with the case, she was on she was on life support, and I, I did the exorcisms. I got furious, and she was getting better, but not to the point that I thought she would. And I got so angry, I went to my mentor. I said, "Look, I am doing this. I am doing that." And my mentor said, "Stop. You're doing nothing." You are an instrument in which God is using. And I think that's the number one thing that exorcists should remember, is always remember to check the ego, and to you, you have to be very respectful of the ritual. Bishop, please stand by. We have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Bishop James Long is our special guest, ExoNation. And if you'd like to uh, find out more about the bishop, his website is www.paranormalclergy.com. That's www.paranormalclergy.com. Bishop James Long and I will be back on the other side of the news as the Exxon continues live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. Still to come on tonight's show, Jeff Danlick and I will be discussing UFOs. And in the final hour of tonight's show... The Angel Lady will be doing angel readings for one and all who give a call to one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. My name is Rob McConnell and this is the Exxon, and we're live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network. Bishop James Long is my very special guest this hour. And uh, Bishop Long's website is www.paranormalclergy.com. Bishop, you're the author of Through the Eyes of an Exorcist. Can you tell us a bit about your book and why you chose to write it? Sure. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, well, Through the Eyes of an Exorcist was written primarily to educate paranormal groups and, and those people who, are, who may not be in the paranormal 
uh, about, um, of course, human spirits, poltergeists, elementals, and, of course, the demonic entities. I, I think it's very important for information to actually get out into the field of not just book smart, but also field experience. I've read so many books where, where from, from people who, who say that they're, that they're, they're so experienced in, in demonology, but they only have the book smarts. And it was important for me to, to give, uh, express what I've actually experienced in the field as well. My passion is to educate people, and, uh, or to help people, obviously, being in ministry. Uh, and so any, any way that I can do that, I, I, I strive, whether it be through lectures at conferences or uh, phone calls or visiting people or blessing homes, uh, whatever it takes to help people. Um. How dangerous is it for a member of a paranormal group who has does not have the training or the experience that you have to try and exercise uh, a person or even bless a house where there's the possibility of demonic possession? Rob, I want to thank you for asking that question. I really do. That's one of the biggest concerns that I have uh, as a demonologist, as an exorcist, is looking at so many websites and, and hearing so many groups going out uh, into fields uh, or to demonic cases, uh, performing these blessings that they think uh, that they can handle, and then of course I'm getting phone calls in the middle of the night when when now someone has gone under transient possession. This is very very dangerous, and unless someone is properly trained, they should absolutely stay away from this. We're talking about this is a real ministry, but let's. Forget about all the theological arguments. Let's just look at the legal arguments for alone. There are so many legal issues in dealing with an exorcism that, unless they're not properly trained, they should definitely stay away from. For example, restraining people. You can't restrain anyone without their permission. Now, that alone can get you into prison. But let's look at, let's say you're dealing with somebody who has a mental issue and right. not a, uh, a possession, a real possession case. Well, the problem is, is if you have them sign a waiver and they have their schizophrenic, well, that's not going to help you in the court of law because they're not in the right state of mind. And the exorcist should have done the homework. Before I would ever perform an exorcism on anybody, there is extensive background check on this individual. There's a psychological evaluation that must be performed. There is a spiritual evaluation. There is a, um, a physical evaluation performed by the doctor. I have to speak to these doctors. And I would never perform an exorcism on someone, anyone, without that information. Um, this is something that is so dangerous that a person could literally expire during a possession. And I think people watch it on TV or they, they, they read it on uh, maybe movies or, or, or books or whatever, and they think it's fun. And living in an oppressed state for the rest of your life is not fun. And it's... It, 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 you know, there's a lot of dangers that come with this, and I tell people, unless you're really prepared to live in a state of oppression for the rest of your life, stay away from it. Bishop, you've performed 23 documented exorcisms. What would you say was the worst case that you did? Diabolical, the, the 17th case. Um, and I, I, I mean, I know it. I even it was a diabolical possession. Uh, she was a, a young girl, mm -hmm. and it was a it was a terrible terrible case of a true diabolical possession uh, when I was not the exorcist, I was the assistant and, and, and the thing is, is there's always an assistant for a variety of reasons uh, obviously if the exorcist is attacked 
possessed, et cetera, or, or just physically attacked, heart attack, stroke, that exorcist has to be removed, and, and the ritual continues. Um, uh, the worst case was definitely the, the diabolical. The thing is, is she was becoming dehydrated. We gave her a little, a little sip of water, and she became violently ill. And she sounded like she was choking. And I, as I was reaching down, trying to move her from neck from from choking on, on what what I thought was was vomit, her eyes. She completely. She closed her eyes and she opened, and there was nothing. It was solid black. It was, it was a blackness where it almost looked like a mirror. And I saw my reflection, and there was no whites. It was solid black. That, that's full possession. And I, I couldn't stand. I couldn't move. I, I, every fear, every uh, it was it was a, one of the most horrific experiences I've ever had in my life. And thank God I had my mentor there to pull me to the side and offer the blessing. We he did, he did a ritual and we, we we moved on. But at that at that point of time, if I had not had an exorcist there, I could have easily gone under possession. Uh, I, I think people need to be aware that possession does exist, no question. And it's rare, it, but it does exist. There's a difference between the minor rite of exorcism and the, the, the solemn ritual. A minor rite of exorcism can be performed by the laity, which is a cleansing of the house of human spirits and even demonic, but I tell people to stay away from that. But a solemn ritual is performed on someone who is actually possessed. That should only be performed only by um, an exorcist. How do you know if someone is truly possessed versus someone who may be dealing with mental issues? Great question. And the psychological evaluation will obviously help a great deal. Obviously, then speaking to their psychiatrist and ruling out any possibility of any type of uh, mental issues, that's number one. But People need to be fully aware that a person who is psychologically ill cannot recite the Aramaic, uh, in, uh, the Our Father in Aramaic backwards. Uh, the person who, uh, a person who is mentally ill cannot levitate. A person who is mentally ill uh, is not able to tell you your deepest sins or your deepest secrets that you're, that you're the most embarrassed by. Uh, so mental, mentally ill people are not capable of doing that, but even more so. Once I step, once the team has already done the investigation, and it's clear that we have a possession case, when I get involved in that case, there are things that I do, even after we have all the reports, I still do things that no one has any clue what I'm doing. Nobody. But the possessed will. Now, usually the person is not in what's called transient, it's called transient possession. They're not in that state of possession. So my job as an exorcist is to enter into the home, do the seven steps, and what I'm doing is provoking the entity to manifest itself, and then you can perform the exorcism. And so, but there are things that I do that no one has any clue, but the possessed would, will know. And therefore, usually by the, by the you know, fourth or fifth step, the person is in transient possession. What are the stages to possession, Bishop? Well, infestation, oppression, possession. So infestation is the first stage, and that usually occurs by, again, uh, performing black magic, black mm -hmm. witchcraft, sartoria, curses, etc., um, or opening yourselves up by receiving something that, that unfortunately, you shouldn't have attachment, uh, uh, whatever that might have been, obviously an evil entity. Uh, and then infestation, you know, you're, you're seeing things, you're hearing things, things are knocking, um, the dogs are usually very spooked. They're usually very afraid. And then, of course, it goes into the state of oppression. Now, state of oppression, again, there are levels of oppression. Again, there, you have sexual, you have physical, you have uh, psychological. 
at that level, at that level of a stage of oppression, you're, it's very crucial to, to get help because you're dealing with your intellect and will. In other words, it forces you to believe that you are schizophrenic. It forces you to believe that there's something wrong with you and you begin to isolate yourself. And it, it continues to attack you to the point where you are, you've doubted yourself to the level of you absolutely know that there's something wrong with you. Then it begins to tear down your will. So it continues to attack you, again, on a, on a spiritual, psychological, on a sexual level, to the point where you say, I give up. I can't fight anymore. And that's when you have possession. What's the difference between a demonologist and an exorcist? Great question. I'm, a demonologist is one who studies demonology. But it, it needs to be understood that a demonologist, again, is a calling. That is a ministry. And if one is not called to serve in that type of ministry, they should really stay away from it. A demonologist is not the same thing as an exorcist. Those are completely two different things. An exorcist is the one who performs the solemn ritual of exorcism. Now, the demonologist does not. For example, my good friend John Zaffis. John is not an exorcist. John is a demonologist, and he's never performed an exorcism. He would never perform an exorcism because he's not an exorcist. An exorcist is one who is ordained, who is properly trained, who knows the law, who knows uh, what the ramifications of performing the exorcism, and then, of course, performs one if, if there's one that's required. Um, of course, with, with the bishop, bishop's approval. So big difference between, between an exorcist and a demonologist. What do you take with you when you go to do an exorcism? Uh, do you bring holy water? Do you bring crucifixes, uh, prayer books? What, what would you bring? Uh, I certainly bring the holy water. Uh, I have a rosary that was given to me by my mentor. I always uh, bring that. I also bring the uh, Eucharist. Now, it's very important that the Eucharist, you have to be very cautious. I celebrate the liturgy after, of course, an exorcism or even a blessing on a home. Uh, that way we, it's the cleansing of the home. It's important, however, that during the, during the solemn ritual of exorcism that the Eucharist is not used as a tool because uh, obviously the demonic will, will desecrate uh, the Eucharist. So for Catholics, for, for, especially for old Catholics and, and Roman Catholics as well, the Eucharist is the true presence of Christ. And so we, we don't put, obviously, the Eucharist in a situation where it could be desecrated. But uh, there's also, of course, we have um, incense. And there, there, there are other things that I use as well that... Um, uh, as an exorcist, uh, uh, we can't really get into a whole, whole lot of stuff, but sacred chrism, uh, among other things. Why does holy water work during an exorcism? Isn't holy water just water blessed? Sure. You know, it's invoking the Holy Spirit, obviously, to... It's really, if you think about this, if you think about an evil or a negative energy, uh, obviously, coming in contact with a positive energy. And that's why I tell people all the time uh, to be careful about spraying holy water uh, on perhaps maybe a case that, or a home that might be demonically infested. Because the problem is you're going to get a reaction. Positive and negative, you're going to get a reaction. There was, for example, there was a case in which a paranormal group uh, claimed to have an exorcist on their team, and the, the wife said that her husband was going into transient, in and out of transient possession. And they told her, her to put a Bible, as well as holy water, uh, under his bed. Well, that's the worst thing you can do, because w those things are actually going to provoke the entity to manifest itself. The person is going to go into possession. And that, in fact, that's, that's exactly what did happen. And I was called out in that case, and, and we got involved. But any type of holy object, it doesn't necessarily have to be holy water. Any type of holy object 
that comes in contact with an unholy entity, it's going to be a reaction. And again, I think it needs to, I need to stress that I am one of the most open-minded people uh, that, that you will see and you'll ever meet because, uh, again, I have friends who are Wiccans and pagans, and, and many of, of those folks have objects as well that they consider very holy, and I respect that. Um, and so a holy object that you have faith in that combats evil is what you use. Bishop, uh, what are your thoughts about people um, who, uh, who who just want to get into this for the sake of something to do? You know, why why is there the why is there the fascination with some people in today's society to want to challenge the demons? You know, um, uh, Rob, I tell you, I. <laughs> That, that, that's that's the that's the million dollar question that I, I ask myself when when I find out that groups are are going to cases in which they have no business going into. I don't know if it's because, I, and I don't want to blame it on the media because the media gets such a bad rep. Uh, the media is entertainment, but I, exactly. I think I, I think people um, it, it is this, I guess the mystique of it, uh, and uh, it's it, I don't I don't know why. Uh, that's why I'm out there telling people that unless they're called to this. Uh, they really, really should stay away because, honestly, Rob, the, the, the state of oppression that a demonologist and most certainly an exorcist live through on a daily basis is overwhelming. And um, I, that's my message for people. That the, I always tell people, never act with a doubtful conscience. You may allow an evil to occur. It means simple this. If you're a paranormal group and you believe that there's a demonic case, someone says there's a demonic in my home, I need help. If you go into that case and you're going in and you think, uh, you know what, this could be real, well, then don't go in. Because if you do, you can allow an evil to occur, which is demonic could attack you or could increase and hurt the family. Bishop, please stand by. We have to take our final break. Exxon Nation, Bishop. James Long is our special guest. His website is www.paranormalclergy.com. That's www.paranormalclergy.com. The good bishop and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on the Talk Star Radio Network. Once again, for more information on Bishop Jeffrey Long, his website is www.paranormalclergy.com. That's www.paranormalclergy.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation. Whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials, how we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. 
Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Bishop Long is our special guest, www.paranormalclergy.com. That's www.paranormalclergy.com. Bishop, how can someone tell if a loved one of theirs is possessed? Of course, there's, you know, and, and, and that's a great question. And one thing that needs, needs to be understood is that a lot of these things that you can see can actually be other issues as well. Mm-hmm. But, of course, uh, when a person's personality completely changes, uh, when they become uh, violently ill or uh, act out in an abusive way, when religious uh, prayers are, are cited, when religious objects are brought forth to them, uh, of course, they will become, they will again go into transient possession. Uh, there are things where catatonic state. Well, I don't want to get into a whole lot of state here, a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of information. But there are there are signs um, that a person will do. Like for example, a person who's possessed will look as if they're in a catatonic state. But that could also be a neurological issue. Mm-hmm. And so there are things you you continue to do to determine whether or not. Obviously, if you're dealing with a person who's uh, under possession. But the person becomes isolated. The person has nothing, wanting nothing to do with you. Uh, the the person uh, there are many times in which the person will lose uh, their bowels uh, because again that's destroying the intellect and will, and that's that's it's important to, to it's important to remember that the demonic will manipulate the body, the muscles, etc., and anything that it can do to obviously cause uh, stress upon the body upon the person, uh, then it will do it. And so there's a variety of a variety of things that a person will do to make the alarm. I mean, if the person is if your loved one is obviously becoming isolated, when nothing to do with the family, uh, is becoming you know sick into the stomach or or become violent during religious prayers, obviously that that could be that could be an issue. What kind of uh, what special projects are you working on now, Bishop? So, you know, we are so busy with, with blessing homes um, and, and talking to people on a spiritual level and, and just helping people. You know, we never charge for our services. Uh, this is something that I'll never, ever charge, ever, uh, for a, an exorcism, certainly an exorcism, or even a blessing. And I can't. Uh, the, the moment that I begin to charge is the moment that my pride can get in the way and then my intentions become unpure. Because I look at this as, as a value, as a dollar, instead of actually helping the person who's, who's truly needing help. 
You know, and so I'm so busy. I'm, I'm just swamped with, with helping so many people who just need blessings and, and, and just, I guess, uh, counseling, spiritual counseling. Uh, we, there's a lot of other things that we're looking at. Of course, I'm looking into uh, writing another book. I've had so many people ask me, can you please write about the cases? Uh, and obviously, I, I, I was debating on it, but I think I will. But obviously, we're going to be very generic as far as the name, certainly, uh, for respect of, of the victims. But I think for the people to actually see what an exorcist endures and the cases that he or she may endure, I think people should be, be aware of it, and I think I should educate people. So there's a book that, uh, through the eyes of Exorcist 2, Case Files, I'm looking into uh, to, uh, starting that. Bishop, we have to say so long for tonight, but I do want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great hour. And uh, a continued success to you, and um, may you go with God and go with peace. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate the invite. Take care, Bishop. Bishop Jeffrey, uh, James Long has been our guest this hour www.paranormalclergy.com That's www.paranormalclergy.com When I come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past J. Allen Danilek joins me. We're going to be talking about UFOs and aliens right here on Talkstar. Don't go away. <laughs> 